this uh, series of sermons around becoming a prophetic people. And just very simply put, a prophetic people is a people that can see the future, prepare for the future, and become the future. And I want to be careful this morning as we finish, is it's not just about being future-focused, because you can do that without Jesus. If you have any seniority at work, a large part of your job will be budget planning and strategizing and logistics organizing and making sure you know where you're going, right? And so you can, you can focus on the future without focusing on Jesus entirely. And that's not what I'm talking about. A prophetic people is people that see the future, prepare for the future, and become the future. I said last week, a prophetic people is simply someone that sees where Jesus is and then goes and stands next to him and keeps in step. And so it's not about a, a, a future man, I want to you know, have hair and, and no wrinkles and lots of money and a Ferrari. That's not the future we're looking for. The future we're looking for is, Jesus, where will you be leading me tomorrow? And where will you be leading me the next season? And whether it's wrinkles or no wrinkles, depending on what he wants to give me, I want to be with him wherever I am. And that's the kind of prophetic people that we want to be. A prophetic people is simply a people that knows God's heart and is able to respond to Him. And that's the kind of people we want to be. And uh, my goodness, I was about to preach to you Jono's wedding preach, so let's not do that one. <laughs> Maybe it'll make sense the second time around, Renee, for me too. Hey? <laughs> I was complaining. I felt God uh, uh, really stir me to challenge Jono and Felicia uh, at their wedding, and I was complaining because it meant a whole lot. And I'm trying to do the same this morning for all of us, to stir us, to challenge us, that we would stick close to Jesus and follow along with Him. And so you can turn with me to uh, uh, Psalm 84. Psalm 84, it says, Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. These are the blessed people. Um, and I'm nervous because uh, very often it can be all about the blessing, but a blessed people is simply a people that stay in step with Jesus. It says, as they go through the valley of Baca, the valley that is dry or has tears or has giants, they make it the place of springs. And so you and I are not only able to find Jesus and stand next to him, in other words, to find his presence wherever we are, we're also able to bring his presence wherever you are. And man, I want to be like that, don't you? And I confess to you this morning that I'm too often not like that. But I want to be that guy who when I come and stand next to you, you go, wow, uh, Jesus, yes. <laughs> I was joking, I, uh, we were sitting having, um, having the, the, the wedding meal uh, yesterday, and I could hear Tim, the father of the groom. I could hear Tim's voice, but I couldn't see him, and so I looked around. What? Father of the bride, thank you. I th thought you were saying Brian. I was, no, I'm pretty sure his name's Tim. <laughs> All right, okay. All right. It's the end of the year, right? <laughs> Tim, the father of thee, what's her name? The bride, thank you. And I, I could hear him, but I couldn't see him. I said, man, it's, he, he, Tim's just like Jesus. I can hear him, but I can't see him, right? And uh, wouldn't you like to be that person that when you're in the room, 
It's as though people can hear or sense Jesus. It's like somehow there's an atmosphere, and I'm nervous to talk about atmosphere, spooky, spiritual, no. But when I'm around, you know that, man, that guy's been with Jesus. Wouldn't you like that? If that was true for me, wouldn't you like me to be with you? <laughs> Hello? Yeah, you'd be saying, hey, Craig, come talk to me. Come stand by me. But you know what? All of us can be that guy or girl. And honestly, folk, man, that's, that really, I want to be able to be that guy who's, who's with Jesus. That when I'm with him, man, when I'm with you, you go, ah, oh, we know Jesus is around. Hey? That's a prophetic person. And so blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. means we're not satisfied on being where we are. Our hearts are set on pilgrimage. We want to go further and be close to Jesus. And so that might mean that you and I, have to cry some tears and find Jesus' presence in the tears. It might mean we have to face some giants and shiver in our boots, but say, Jesus, you have called me like David to take on Goliath. It might mean that you and I need to find Jesus wherever we are. So three weeks ago, we spoke about how becoming prophetic people, we will be robbed of our, of our being in step with Jesus if we're only concerned around maintenance. Then Christianity becomes about me. The preaching needs to pep me up for the week. The worship needs to be those songs that I find sentimental. The people need to be happy for me so that I can go into the week doing well. If we are people who will be prophetic, hear Jesus and keep in step with Him, then we're people that bring the presence of God. It's not just about maintaining what we've got. We're keen to take new ground. Last week I said that if we are to be a prophetic people, we will be people that don't assimilate to our culture, but rather change the culture around us. And we'll be people that will count the cost and be willing to pay the price. Shopping center uh, just across from Red Flay. And we realized that we've lived here eight years, and when we got here, it looked old. You know that one that they built halfway and then stopped building? And man, I was thinking of the, of the Bible, Jesus saying, the man who builds a tower and doesn't count the cost. If he gets halfway and he, hasn't, he runs out of funds to finish it, everyone's going to laugh at them. There's an, there is a, 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 a um, monument to an unfinished task. I don't know why, and I'm not pointing fingers, but there's a monument to an unfinished task. I don't want to have unfinished business with Jesus in my life. I want to count the costs where necessary. What does that mean? It might mean waking up a little earlier. It might mean going to bed a little later. It might mean swallowing my pride. It might be loving my enemies. But Jesus, I want to count the cost and be worthy of following you. That's the kind of guy I want to be. I trust you will be as well. Not letting the culture, uh, where the culture of the day tells me it's every man for himself. No, I want to be after Jesus. I want to encourage you to be like that too. Uh, We said one of the ways that this culture that we are uh, uh, in so much, uh, 70% of South Africans uh, have money issues. You know, they say that the the greatest cause for um, arguments or or fighting in marriage is money. You know, they say in in America, the the single greatest cause for divorce uh, with married couples is money issues. And so if there's a culture that we need to win over, it needs to be our money, right? And so I said, I said last week that we need to win with money. We need to make sure that we are spending wisely this December. You can give us that one, uh, Dwayne. Spend wisely this December. I encourage us to put some emergency money aside so that when things go wrong, we're not totally thrown out of kilter. So put some, the, the Bible says, even the ant. <laughs> knows to put away for winter is coming. 
And uh, so put, build an emergency fund. I would say to you, before you spend Christmas presents, have you got a thousand rand put aside for emergencies and then work your way to 10 grand? What about the debt snowball? Get out of debt. Could you imagine starting the year with no debt? Can you imagine that? We spoke about this last week and then commit to cash. If you can't pay for it, don't pay for it. Yeah? If you can't pay for it, don't pay for it. Don't buy your Christmas presents in December and pay for them in February, March, April, and May. I want to see you with a smile on your face when we get back together in January. Say, man, I'm better off this January than I was last January. And therefore, I'm more able to respond to Jesus. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, please. Trying to bring all of these things together this morning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. The message puts it this way. It says, God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air for every living thing that moves on the earth. I want to remind us this morning that right back at the beginning of the scriptures, we have been given a DNA, a, a blueprint put inside of us that is an expansive one, a producing one, a increasing one. Never mind just those that are, have their hearts set on pilgrimage. God has put it inside of us to be those that bear fruit, become fruitful, who grow, who increase. Um, if you look at some of the, the original Hebrew around those words, it speaks of to become many, to become numerous, to make large or to enlarge, to do much. Now, at this time of the year, we don't want to do any of those. We don't want to be large. We, we, in fact, um, depending on your Christmas lunch, you might be too large, right? Um, but we, at this time of the year, like I was thinking, oh, Jesus, can I, can I just not have to engage faith for a few days? I'm, I'm thinking through my, my end of year and thinking, well, how are we going to walk in step with Jesus? And I suddenly realized, okay, Jesus, I can go on holiday, but I can't go on a faith holiday. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> there is a multiplying factor that is in our DNA. When the Father put it inside of us, He created the world and He blessed it and He said it was good. The purpose of creation is progress. The purpose of creation is progress. He said, be fruitful, multiply, take ground, move forward. He said, I'm going for a walk. Will you walk with me? Adam and Eve met with Jesus in the cool of the day as God the Father walked with them. He didn't stand still under a tree and contemplate the sunset. There is a progressiveness. There is an energy and activity that Jesus has instilled inside of us. And if we're to be prophetic people who move on with the things of the Lord, we need to be like that. I think so many of us are hemmed in. We're beaten down. We're just trying to get by. Can I hear an amen? Please don't. <laughs> Maybe it's an oh my moment. But many of us feel constrained. Don't you feel like that? Don't you feel like you just don't have enough space? And you think, man, I'm going to go to my timeshare, I'm going to put my feet up, look out the window, and everything will be fine. But you know what? The person that goes on holidays is the very same person that comes back from holiday. And in January, we're going to be complaining, oh, I can't even remember my holiday anymore. Hello? I would say to you and myself, because I need to hear this too, that if we don't become prophetic people, we're doomed to repeat the same cycles over and over again. 
Because a prophetic people doesn't hear, see, and know what God is doing. So how do we follow along? We just const- we, we end up just doing the best we know, which means to repeat, copy, and paste. Rinse and repeat. Survival is not being put in our DNA. Not the original commission. Did you ever read in Genesis these words? And God said, hold the fort. Try to survive. Don't risk. Count for nothing. Never increase. Wring your hands and tremble in your boots. Hide behind closed doors and try to get by. It's not there in case you're worried. I heard someone, uh, Colette sent out an email to just talk about the, the end of the year and, and uh, it, it caused some worry. It said, don't come to church. And so someone phoned and said, are we closing church over December? We're not. She's just uh, teasing us, right? Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, Paul says, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or I have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. I'm sorry for, for, for preaching this morning or something that will require spiritual and emotional energy from us. But I want to be close to Jesus, don't you? I don't want to come back from, hos- from, from hospital, from, from uh, where are we going? Holiday. <laughs> Brian, right? Holiday. I don't want to drag myself back from Brian. Uh, from <laughs> I don't want to drag myself back from holiday further from Jesus than I am right now. I don't want to drag myself back from a holiday from my Lord. I don't want to drag myself having lost the plot, maybe rested and watched more movies and read more books and swam in the sea or climbed a mountain, whatever you're going to do, and yet lost Jesus in the process. I do want to be better off next January. I want to be closer to Him. I want to be hearing Him clearer. I want to be sneaking up on Him. If Jesus thinks He can get away from me, man, I don't want to let Him. And so that will take a prophetic heartedness of people that say, Jesus, you don't stand still, therefore I can't. I need to keep on moving on. Paul says to, to Timothy in, in chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he says, fight, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life, which you are called for uh, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Friends, what do you need to take hold of right now? And going forward, what is it? As you contemplate the future that God is calling you to, then you begin to prepare yourself so you can get there. And then you become that future that Jesus has called you to. What is it that you and I need to take hold of this morning? I'm trusting you make some notes. You write some things down, some bullet points, and say, these are the things I'm trusting Jesus for. And towards the end, we'll have some time for ministry to help us do that. So what is it that we need to take hold of? of this morning. So I want to say two main things. And the first is this, that a prophetic people know their identity in Jesus. A prophetic people know their identity in Jesus. Now, when I say prophetic people, what's the definition of prophetic people? Is people who know what's on Jesus' heart and do that now, right? So prophetic is code for understanding Jesus, for knowing what he's talking about. So, Dwayne, you can give us that slide. Prophetic people know their identity in Jesus. You can turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. 
Jesus goes to John the baptizer and he says, you must baptize me. And John says, no, 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 you should baptize me. Jesus said, let it be so for now. And then in verse 16, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And the voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You know the beauty of this passage is Jesus had done nothing yet other than being a son. I went and checked the timeline of Jesus' life. (laughs) He'd got lost in Jerusalem and found himself in the temple courts. He'd he'd grown up as a young man in, in his mother and father's house. He'd done nothing yet. The wedding feast at Cana was still to come. All he was was a son. And you can imagine the scene. He goes down to be into the water to be baptized. And my goodness, can I say, if you're not baptized, then make a plan. Be better off next January. Follow Jesus. In obedience to him, we get baptized. And Jesus said, let it be for now. So for now, when he came up out of the water, there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my son. It speaks of identity. I love the fact that God the Father is so pleased to say, that's my boy. And I think one of the things that rob us from being a prophetic people who hear what Jesus is doing and get in line with that is that we think, oh, Jesus, you can't be speaking to me. Those beautiful things you're saying, you must be saying to somebody else. And here Jesus comes up out of the water and God the Father willingly identifies himself as family. And I would love you and I to be able to say, man, whether I'm good or bad, Jesus is calling me (laughs) to be family. Identify with Christ. Jesus, uh, God the Father says, this is my son. <laughs> this is my son. He says, I'm accepting him. It speaks of identity. It speaks of acceptance. We all know that sons will come with a little bit of discipline. Has anyone ever had a son that hasn't needed some discipline along the way? <laughs> I'm a son. I can tell you from experience, some discipline was needed along the way. And you know what happens when we, as, as Christians, when we do the wrong thing, we feel like we are disqualified from our identity as sons and daughters of, of, of God and that the fact that God can no longer accept me. You see, when my children are disobedient, they don't cease to become my children. It just means we need some discipling along the way. And I would love us to understand this morning that even when we feel far from God, we don't lose who we are in God. Because too often when God's calling us into a preferred future, we say, oh gee, I'm not so sure I qualify anymore. We don't qualify, but because of what Jesus did. He said, this is my son whom I love. He says, he belongs in my family. And with him, I am well pleased. Isn't that amazing? With him, I'm well pleased. But what has he done? Hadn't done anything yet other than be a son. And would we hear this morning that we have an identity in Christ. We are accepted by God the Father. We belong in his household. And he has given us his approval. The same thing happened on the, God, the, the mountain of transfiguration. When Jesus, man though he was, he went up on the mountain with his three disciples. And all of a sudden they saw him for who he really was. They, they saw the human disguise just slip off a moment. And the same thing God the Father said. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. 
You know, in Genesis chapter 3, I've, I've, I've referenced it already, that they, Adam and Eve would walk with, Jesus, with, with God the Father in the cool of the day. In chapter 3, verse 9, after they have sinned, they've eaten the fruit that God told them not to. They've sinned and they know they're guilty. Their eyes are open to the guilt of their sin. All of a sudden, they hide from, from God. And in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, God comes and walks and He says, Where are you? You know, in... Um, in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, the Israelites are, are, are fearful of their enemies. So we have them, this young man, Gideon, who's threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, a wine press in those days was simply a hole in the ground because then you would, you would uh, uh, thresh the wheat, you'd throw it up, and the wind would blow over the top. But there was enough of a, 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 a protection that the seed would fall onto the ground and you could scoop it up for bread. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and he says, Arise, mighty man of valor. He's hiding from his enemies, and God calls him a mighty man of valor. And the third one is in, uh, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 10. They were to choose a king, and so God sends a prophet to anoint the king, uh, King Saul. And they say so they couldn't find him, and uh, they inquired further of the Lord, Has the man come yet? And the Lord said, Yes, he's hiding himself among the baggage. You see, Adam was hiding out of guilt. Gideon was hiding out of a poor self-image, and Saul was hiding because of his baggage. And I wonder if you and I don't feel guilty before the Lord. I wonder if you and I don't look down on ourselves before the Lord. And I wonder if you and I aren't weighed down by stuff, by the baggage of life, and therefore we don't know our identity in Jesus. We say, man, God, I I don't qualify to be part of your, your program. Yes, you do. If you're out of favor or out of, if you feel as though you've let the Lord down, then repent today and make right. Don't wait till turn over a new leaf in January. Repent today and make right with the Lord. If you need to make right with your neighbor or your brother, do that. Don't let anything stand in the way of being right with Jesus, that you can be a prophetic people moving on. It's amazing to me how often the, 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 the wounds of the heart can cause us to be stuck in history. You talk to a person and, and you feel this emotional pain and you think, my goodness, when did that happen? Years ago. Yeah? Be free. Be free. A prophetic people knows who I am in Jesus. We know our identity in Jesus. Who I am in Jesus is a gift from God. It's not an achievement of my hard work. It's an unshakable ground on which I build my life. So who am I because of Jesus? Man, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let me read these to you. You can give us that slide, Dwayne. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. Who am I in Christ? I'm made brand new. Secondly, I'm loved by God. 1 John 4, this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Who am I in Jesus? I cannot be separated from God. Romans chapter 8 tells us, For I am convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Who am I in Jesus? I have direct access to God. Ephesians chapter 2 says we're no longer strangers, but through Jesus we have access to the Father by the Spirit. Who am I in Jesus? I am sure of God working in me. Philippians 4 tells us, 
that he who began a good work in me will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm so afraid that you and I will be sidelined from this prophetic purpose that God has for us simply because we have a wrong identity of ourselves in mind. Would you hear this morning that if you are born again, you have been made brand new. You, you are loved by God. You cannot be separated by, from God. You have direct access to God. You don't have to wait for Sunday. Isn't that amazing? You know, in the Old Testament, they had to wait for the priest to come and do his thing. In early church history, people were told only the priest can bring the presence of God. The Bible tells us that we have direct access to God. And you know, when you're thinking, when you're thinking, <laughs> You don't know how far you're going for God. You can be sure that He's working in you. A prophetic people know who they are in Jesus. The second thing is that a prophetic people know how to be led by Jesus. A prophetic people know how to be led by Jesus. It's so important that we know how to be led by Jesus because otherwise what on earth are we seeing, preparing for, and becoming? It's probably just our own good ideas. You know, if we're willing to be led by the Spirit uh, or be led by Jesus, then we've got to be willing to go where He leads us. It's amazing in Luke chapter 4, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus, led by the Spirit, went into the desert, and that was where the devil tempted Him. If you're willing to be led by the Spirit, there'll be times where the road that you have to follow Jesus is a difficult road. But there will also be times where it's a great road. If we are led by the Spirit, it will not always be where we want to go. Sometimes it will be to go and make right with your brother who you've sinned against. Sometimes it will be to dig deeper and trust God for the impossible. Sometimes it will be the road of sacrifice. But sometimes it will be the road of blessing when we see what we have offered Jesus. So how do we... Hear, how do we hear Jesus' voice? Thanks, Dwayne. How do we hear Jesus' voice? Some of these things I'm sure you could say are so practical and basic, and they are, but they're not when we look at how much we have them current in our lives. Are they happening? The first is time in His presence. Uh, I've often said when it comes to holidays, I find it more difficult to spend time with Jesus than when we're in our normal work routine. You know, the only thing that's worked for me over the last couple of years, just the last few, is I make sure that I get up early anyway. I don't set my alarm anymore on holiday, but I wake up and I make sure the first thing I do is I take my Bible and I go find a different room and I make sure that I'm spending time with Jesus. When I'm done, I can happily go back to bed and read my book if I feel like it. I can make coffee. I can do whatever I want. But I make sure for me, that's the only way I can do it, is I wake up and spend time with Jesus. Then if I want to, I can go back to sleep again. Rather than sleeping till 8, 9, 10 o'clock and then thinking you'll speak, you'll never spend time with Jesus, right? If you're anywhere where there's open skies, do yourself a favor and get outdoors. In the evenings, go for a walk. Even if you're at home in your suburb, walk around the block if it's safe. Otherwise, take a big, strong friend. Can I encourage you? Can I encourage you in the evenings to get outdoors? To get outdoors and say, Jesus, I just want to touch base with you again. Make sure in the morning you don't miss him. And in the evenings, just get some time to be out with him. Time in his presence, you cannot reproduce or you cannot replace time in his presence. 
Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 says, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives and anyone who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened to you. I'm pretty sure that probably at least 90% of us this morning have got some decisions to make in January. Some of you, it will be job opportunities. Some of you, it will just be, how do I do life in a way that serves Jesus better than I did last year? I want to get halfway through and find I'm like caught in the same corner again. I honestly, I would be surprised if you and I aren't about to come home. And January, start to say, man, Jesus, I've got to make some, I've got to put some things in place. I've got to see the future right. Now I've got to actually prepare. I've got to do some stuff so that I can become. The only way to know what those steps will be is to spend time in His presence. If you're not feeling God speak to you, think, oh, God only speaks to the spiritual people. Rubbish. God will speak to you if you just let Him do so. If you just set some time aside, He'll speak. You just ask, He'll speak. (laughs) You just speak. If you're not hearing, then check your antenna. Check your receiver. Have you got air time? (laughs) Yeah? It's amazing how we take things for granted in life that somehow we don't take for granted spiritually. Yeah? How many of us, oh gee, can I use your phone? I've run out of air time. Please call me, right? Yeah? It's amazing how we expect God to speak when we don't give Him any air time. Funny that. You'd never ask your service provider to let you speak to someone with no air time, would you? We were talking about in the olden days, you even had to pay to get your voicemails, like when cell phones first came out. Yeah? Time in His presence. Time in His presence. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 says, You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. Maybe we, we want Jesus to speak to us but not enough to actually put some airtime aside and let him speak to us. It'll take a couple of laps in your suburb and watch God will start speaking like you will be amazed. It'll take a couple of early mornings. When I say early morning on holiday, early morning could be 8 o'clock. It doesn't have to be 5. Number one is time in his presence. Number two is time in his word. Time in his word. Next year, we're going we're gonna to look at how we can read the Bible better together. We, we looked at how to read the Bible this year. Next year, we're going to look at how do we buddy system and actually just try and get through some scripture. Please, folk, stay in the scriptures in the next six weeks to two months. If you want us to be a prophetic people, we've got to be in his word. You see, if we don't fill ourselves with God's word, we will instinctively look to other things for soul food. If we don't fill ourselves with God's words, we will look to other things for soul food. Reading, meditating, and praying the word has the power to change our mindsets, our emotions, and our circumstances. His word is our soul food. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, says, All scripture is given by God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work time in his word i want to encourage you to stay in his word do yourself a favor we were at uh, men were together uh, earlier in the year and some of the guys that are reading the bible on you version uh, they were talking you version gives you your reading streak how many days in a row you read the bible is anyone doing that 
Anyone on that? One. Okay, the rest of you are like keeping your hands down because I might ask you how many days your streak is, eh? And <laughs> yeah, I love that. Is it? Somehow the devil's got us fooled that we're like, oh, well, I can't, you know, I'll never amount much for God. I'll never be able to read my Bible very much, so please don't ask me. Yeah? Time in his words. Number three is his prophetic words. Prophecy, words of wisdom, knowledge, dreams, and visions. It's the God speaking to us. And if God hasn't spoken to you, then man, how desperate are you for him to do so? When we have time for prayer, man, I don't care if we're praying for whatever it is. If you want God to speak for you, you grab a friend and say, will you pray for me? I need to hear the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, do not quench the spirit, do not despise the prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold to what is good. The fourth one is godly counsel. Man, you and I need men and women in our lives who we can trust. Now, when you've got some ideas, they'll be able to say, I feel this is right in God because this is what the scriptures say, godly counsel. We spoke about the 12 men that changed the world. We said you will not grow in God if you don't have some person or persons that can speak into your life. Godly counsel. And then the fifth one is the peace of God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says that let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. If you've got some work decisions to make. <laughs> one of the ladies was navigating getting a new job this last week. And so she accepted the new job. It was going to be wonderful. And uh, then she went back and told her boss, uh, I'm, I'm quitting. And the boss said, please don't quit. And they got the big boss in. And they, the next day they had a meeting. And they, they tried to come up for, of, of ways to keep her to stay. <laughs> and so it went backwards and forwards a bit. Man, you've probably got some decisions to make, some calls to make over this next time. I want to encourage you, don't do that which doesn't give you the peace of God. If you're saying, should I go left or right? Should I say yes or should I say no? Just ask yourself this question. Where's the peace of God? So simple. Where's the peace of God? You will know if you're not sleeping, if, if you're unsettled, chances are you're heading down the wrong road. Find the peace of God. It might be the difficult road, but you'll have the peace of God much better. How do we hear from God? How are we led by Jesus? Time in His presence, time in His word. Hearing his prophetic word, godly counsel, and peace with God. Do you know that God will never tell you to do anything that's against his word? If you're making a decision that's going to hook you up, but you know it's going to, you're not comfortable that it agrees with the word of God, press pause quick, talk to someone that you trust. So what will stop us becoming a prophetic people? So here we go. We've got some homework to come to. What will stop us becoming a prophetic people? The first is comfort. If the goal of my life is me, if the goal of my life is me, we won't be willing to be on pilgrimage. Thanks, Dwayne. The goal of my life is me. What will stop us becoming prophetic people? Is convenience. You remember when God called Abraham and Lot, uh, God God called Lot and his wife out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they looked and God said, "Run to the mountain." They said, "You know the mountains are a bit far away. Can't we just like have something a little easier?" Friends, sometimes God's got to call ourselves out, call us out of our well-worn paths. 
And we say, oh, Jesus, can't I just, you know, I don't really feel like going to the gym. Can't you just, like, give me the gift of fitness? You, you read your Bible, you know, you, the gift of the Spirit and, and, and the prophetic gifts. You read them and you look for the gift of 18-inch biceps. It doesn't happen. There's some work needed. And if we will only follow Jesus when it's convenient, we'll never be a prophetic people. What will stop us becoming a prophetic people is conservatism. Man, when we keep ourselves within a box. Conservative worship. <laughs> Thank you, JP, this morning. Conservative faith. Man, I'll trust Jesus for my daily bread, but nothing beyond that. <laughs> Are you trusting God with your family for something? Is there language in your house that says, this is what kids, mom, dad, this is the thing we're trusting God for in the next season? Is that language in your house? It should be if we're to be prophetic people. The last one is the choices that we'll make. The choices that we'll make. I think many of us are just a choice or two away from becoming prophetic people. So here we go. If you haven't jotted some bullet points down, maybe you need to in the next two, three, four, five minutes. Maybe over the next couple of days you need to be saying, Jesus, this is what you're calling me to and this is what I'm going to hold on to you for. Maybe there's some homework, some 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 making right you need to do. Maybe there's some godly habits you need to put in place. Maybe there's some challenges you need to, rem- you need to remind yourself and say, God, I remember you challenging me to this and I've never full followed up on it. God, I'm putting that in place. You see, a prophetic people are those that hear Jesus, that see where he's going, then prepare, do put some things in place so that we can become what he's called us to. Would you stand with me? Maybe Sarah, if you can help us.